I want to talk about uh, praying for those without Christ. And, uh, you know, if all we pray is, Lord, save so-and-so, that is not effective enough. There are specific ways to pray for those who don't know the Lord or those who knew the Lord and like the prodigal son in Luke 15 got away from the Lord. So I want to talk about that in fair detail tonight and then we'll do some praying um, uh, along those lines as well. So how many know Jesus coming is delayed uh, because God desires as many people as possible to miss the coming judgments on the earth and also miss hell? Yes or no? So, so we're headed towards judgment. People don't realize that. Hebrews 6, uh, one of the major doctrines of Christ, Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, are uh, eternal judgments. And they are coming. And, and people have no idea. It's like the, the days of Noah. They're going about business. Jesus said it'd be that way, just like normal. And then suddenly, change comes. So we, we, we are to warn people, get them ready, and then bring them into the family of God in doing that. James 5, 7 says this, Therefore be patient, brother. 5, 7, and 8. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until uh, it receives the early and latter rain. So the metaphor of a farmer, you know, reaping the crop that he plants is the metaphor that God uses through James to talk about the salvation of mankind. You also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So uh, with the coming of the Lord in view, he's talking about bringing in the harvest, and that's the reason he's delaying his coming. Um, uh, let's see, I've got New Living Tra Translation. Brothers and sisters, you be patient. As you wait for the Lord's return, consider the farmers who patiently wait for rains in the fall and spring. They eagerly look for valuable harvest to ripen. And see, so that's what God's doing. He's eagerly wanting the harvest to ripen, and we're the ones that have to pick the harvest. That's the idea, so we have to help him. So let's talk about praying for um, those without Christ, non-believers, unbelievers, and use any terminology you want. Uh, there's three ways that, that I have prayed all my life for those that don't know the Lord, and, and I've got a list of people uh, that, I, that um, I pray for every day who don't know the Lord, and I'm expecting, I'm expecting to, them to come to Jesus um, a uh, number of the men of God that I followed in yesteryear uh, <clears throat> um, I prayed for people all their lives. And, uh, and I'm trying to, while I'm, I'm running around, there's one guy, I'll give his name here in a minute, it, it uh, left me. But nonetheless, uh, he prayed all of his life for two uh, major people in his family to be saved. And he prayed for them over 60 years. And uh, he prayed for them to be saved before they died. They did not come to Christ during his lifetime, but after he died, both of them accepted the Lord. So that's incredible. You know, when you read things like that, it puts an impetus in us to continue to pray. Uh, that's the whole reason we exist. The reason God leads us on terra firma after we're saved is to, is to influence other lives and bring people to Jesus. All of us have the ministry of reconciliation. And the church as a whole in America has lost that. Instead of, instead of, of, of uh, encouraging people to forsake sin, we, we just accept the whole kit and caboodle and say nothing about salvation. How many of that's not right? So, you know, we're supposed to be reconcilers to God. And uh, Jesus told us to go into all the world and, and preach the gospel to every creature, share Jesus, make disciples of all nations, you know. So that we should be doing that. Having said that, uh, three ways to pray for those without Christ. I do this very, very specifically. Number one, pray for God to draw them to himself. How many know that's really important? Now, I get that from two scriptures, and they're in the same, they're in the same book of John, in John 6. Both of them are in John chapter 6, same chapter, uh, verse 44. No one can come to me, Jesus said, 
unless the Father who sent me draws him. Uh, that draws who? The believer without Christ, uh, unbeliever without Christ. And I will raise him up at the last day. Then verse 65, he said the same thing. And he said, therefore, I said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him uh, by my father. I think it was A.W. Tozier, uh, Knowledge of the Holy. He, he mentioned that as, and he used the term prevenient grace or, or grace that precedes. Uh, you know, uh, and, and that reminded me of Ephesians 2, by grace you're saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, both the grace to be saved and the faith to be saved, not of yourself. It's the gift of God. So, you know, the gift of God actually works in a sinner before they're saved. And what is that gift? The, even the desire for God uh, comes, comes from him. So, you know, uh, there's a book in the 60s, I'm okay, you're okay. The idea behind that was there's a spark of divinity in humanity, and, and that is false doctrine. There is no spark of divinity in humanity. Now, uh, Blaise Pascal in the 1600s uh, mentioned uh, there's a hole or people later on interpreted that as a void in the human heart. There's a God void in every life, and that's true. But see, it's a void. There's nothing there. We're dead in trespasses and sins without Christ. So, so, so the idea that I'm good... Is, is not correct. Uh, at, at birth, at birth, a human is away from God. Let me straighten that up real quickly. I do believe, and I think the scriptures bear this out, that if a child dies before the age of accountability, not knowing the difference between right and wrong, God will not consign them to hell just because they're in a fallen race because they don't know. They're innocent. They don't know the difference. But once knowledge comes, sin comes. And, and so you have to make the choice to forsake sin and come to the Savior. And that's the reason we preach the gospel all over the world to, to, to every people group because people, without Jesus, you can't go to heaven, having said that again. Um, anyway, I could go into that. That's a big whole, big doctrine, but I don't want to go there in detail. Anyway, if you've got questions, come and see me. Uh, the human heart is, bottom line, completely corrupted. People don't buy that today. Did you know that? And, and you don't hear it uh, sadly taught enough. Um, but I, I want to make this point very clear. There is no desire for God in the natural human heart. Now, there's a spiritual void, but people fill it with all kinds of things. They fill, fill it with things. They fill it with heathen religions. They fill it with all kinds of habits, choices, and things, uh, and, and, and with idolatry in various ways. But there is. A, but, but to come to God, it, it takes him working inside you. Jeremiah 17, 9, you know, the verses is new living. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. And he didn't just say wicked, he said desperately wicked. I mean, how do you do with that? Who really knows how bad it is? That's new living. Uh, Jesus said this, Matthew 15, 19, from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. So he's talking about the wickedness of the human race. It doesn't come without. It comes from inside of us, uh, you know, it's manufactured inside because our, our, uh, our spiritual nature is sinful. Romans 3 is really clear. Again, this is New Living Translation. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one's truly wise. No one's seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does, does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul. Their stench is from an open grave. 
Their, ta- their tongues are filled with lies. How would you like to, you know, be talking to a group of your friends and say that? Yeah, right. Uh, snake venom drips from their lips. I mean, come on, y'all. Come on, Paul. They're, they're mal- and this is from Isaiah, of course. Uh, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery all- always follows them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Now, that's the state of the human race. And, you know, people that you know and love, people that live on the street where you live, people that work with you, people that you, uh, that you um, connect with on a regular basis. I mean, they're sinners. Without Jesus, that's them. And, and without Christ, they'll go to hell. So there is no desire for God in the natural human heart. And uh, did you hear what I just said? That's, you know, you've got to let that sink in. There is no desire. So, so see, that, that really hit me after I came to Jesus I saw how good God was to me, even to give me a desire for him. If you're sitting here, obviously, well, you know, uh, I, I assume that it could be there's someone here that has been forced to come. But hopefully most of us, you know, if you're a younger a child, or hopefully y'all, y'all want to be here, right? Yeah, come on. <clears throat> or, or maybe your, your spouse or somebody, co-worker, come on, come with me, don't stay home. Uh, but you're here because you want God. Um, when I came to the Lord, it, it really uh, it, it astounded me that God loved me enough to put a desire for him inside of me. So, so if you don't think that God ever speaks to you, yeah, I've had those times in life, and you don't feel like God's ever doing anything in you, if you have a desire for God, that is proof positive that he is working in you. And pro- most probably that somebody has prayed for you. Did you realize that God is still answering the prayers of your ancestors? I've got pastors in my family, the Horton family. We came from a little uh, place in in England, not far from London. And um, I've traced it back to, anyway. Anyway, but I found out that's there. And and I just got a feeling they've prayed for us. I think think my my great-great-greats have prayed. And what about yours? Isn't that awesome to think about? So if you have any desire for God, I'm going to slow down a minute. That's God working in you. That's a miracle. That in and of itself is, is God invading you. And if we love people, we, we want him to invade their lives. So the first way I pray for someone is, Lord, draw that person. What does it mean by draw? That is, give them an intense desire for you. And it has to be, and it, let me say it starts with a dissatisfaction. Because if a person keeps going in the vein they're in and they don't know the Lord, there's got to be a catalyst that causes them to be uncomfortable with where they are. You know, the, the, the number one catalyst for change is dissatisfaction with what you have. Is that true? So, 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 so really, here's the thing. If you pray this way for somebody, they, they might get angrier, meaner, nastier, more aggravating, uh, more discontent, harder to live with. How many hear what I just said? So let me tell you, I've told this story before. This was back in the other building. Uh, this guy, a guy actually was suffering from PTSD. He was a um, former Marine, and a man's man, you know, he and his wife and everything. They'd been coming to church for a while. And I had a, a burgundy couch in my office, and he was sitting right on the edge. I never forgot I was sitting in a chair, and there was. Talking to him, he said, Pastor, I got a question for you. I said, uh, Shoot. And he said, uh, he said um, Why is it every time I come to your church, I just feel awful. I 
I said, what do you mean by awful? He said, I just feel, I just feel bad. He said, I'm, I'm sitting there, y'all singing? He might have said, singing? Y'all singing? And, and I just got this bad feeling comes over me. I said, really? I said, what happens when I preach? He said, it gets worse. I said, okay. And out my mouth come, you know what? And I called his name and said, you know what? God loves you because he's drawing you. And you know what he's doing? He's making you uncomfortable with you. And until you get uncomfortable with you, you'll never want him. So he's doing you a favor. And he actually prayed with me and received Jesus in my office. Isn't that awesome? And, you know, I never forgot that conversation. So, again, if you're praying for a spouse, you're praying for a child, and they just seem more cantankerous, more aggravating, just be aware God's working. God's answering your prayer. We'll say, I better quit for no, don't quit. Pray and keep praying. You say, well, it's tough. Yes, it may be, but, but just love them. God's given you enough love to love them through it. Yes or no? So you're praying for a child, and, you know, uh, it's nothing but aggravation, and, you know, every conversation ends in, you know, conflict. Just be aware that, that God is probably answering your prayer. And so just don't quit praying it. That's, that's what you do. And uh, you just continue. A lot of people, listen, God is dealing with them, and they never let you know. Did you know? Because human pride element. A lot of people will never tell you. They don't even realize what's happening on the inside, the discontentment. And then see that, that drawing of the Father doesn't stop just because you come to Jesus. It continues. And if you're praying and you're asking God to work in you, the more he works in you, the more discontent you become with anything in you that's unlike him. So you've got habits. You've got uh, mental habits, emotional habits, uh, volitional habits, human habits, physical habits, relational habits, communication habits and if they're unlike Jesus and you say Lord draw me to yourself show me yourself show me yourself show me your glory you know uh, uh, what you're going to find is you become more discontent I am uh, this is I've never said I am more discontent with me now than I ever have been at the same time I'm satisfied with him does that make sense uh, it's like you know now it's just like I, I just can't even things that you would think were okay. I mean, there's some things I just don't care to watch anymore. I don't even care. I don't, I don't want it. I don't, not that it was even bad, but I, I don't want it anymore. Does that make sense? If you're not changing that way, you're not growing. Spiritual growth means change, right? And so, you know, here's the way it is. Jesus said narrow is the way. I got to watch the clock. <laughs> you know, the, the more confined you get, the closer you get to Jesus the more confined and maybe refined. Yes or no? So, so if you haven't changed an iota in, 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 in a year, you got a problem. You know what an iota is. It's one of the smallest, um, smallest things in, in the uh, Greek alphabet. An iota goes over the... Uh, if you haven't changed in two years, three years, you got problems. I mean, you're not growing spiritually. That means something's happened and you stop yielding to the drawing. So the first thing we do is, Father, draw. I pray that it really every single day. Lord, draw so-and-so to yourself. Draw them. And what am I saying? Lord, bring conviction to them. Let them see the error of their way. Help them to want you more than what they're doing. And, you know, my goodness, people you pray for, they're involved. Now there's so much mess in America. America used to have such light. Now there's, there's encroaching darkness. And the darkness that when I've traveled into other countries that are um, you know, really not Christian countries. They don't have a Christian base. 
They're heathen countries. Those kinds of things are creeping into our country now. And, uh, and let me just say this. The social media is uh, creating an alternate universe with what seems acceptable and what people allow themselves to view. Yes or no? That's affecting your children. Right? So anyway, that, that, that first thing, Father, draw so-and-so. Okay? Secondly, secondly, uh, command Satan. So first way you pray for a person, Father, draw them. Secondly, command Satan to stop blinding their mind. And we all need to realize our minds are affected by the God of this age. Satan is called the God of this age. Uh, and the other uh, humbling thing for all of us is um, there is a demonic influence in the earth and it surrounds the earth like a cloud canopy. And uh, Paul, of course, in Ephesians 6 listed four, the four elements of the hierarchy of the demonic realm in the atmosphere directly above us. And John said it very succinctly, and I'm going to use several translations here in 1 John 5, 19. Um, we know that we are, this is New Living Translation, we know that we're the children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Now, that's sobering. So, so every person that doesn't know Jesus, that might be your boss, the people you work with. You know, it doesn't mean that you dislike them. You just got to be aware that they are under the, the control of, an, of, of a malevolent power. Uh, people in your family. You might be married to somebody that's unsaved. Uh, your, your children, your extended family, your brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins, nephews, grandma, grandpa. It's that way. Uh, um, um, contemporary English version of that same verse, 1 John 5, 19. We're certain that we come from God and that the rest of the world is under the power of the devil. See, that's sobering thought. Well, you can see how it manifests in a thousand ways, right? Uh, message paraphrase says it this way in that verse. We know that we are held firm by God. It's only the people of the world who continue in the grip of the evil one. That, that gives you a visualization of that. It has a hold of people. Um, uh, the Passion Translation, we know that we're God's children and that the whole world lies under the misery and influence of the evil one. So the idea that Paul had, uh, and, and then let me go further one step, Ephesians 2, 2, New Living. Uh, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. And then he went further and described, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Sometimes when the Bible refers to the heart, it's talking about the spirit. Other times when the Bible refers to the heart, talking about the inward man, which comprises both the mind and the spirit. So, I think that's what he's referring to there. Then 2 Corinthians 4 is very, very insightful as to how to pray. We, we command Satan to take his hands off of someone's mind. The blinders are off. The blinders. So uh, New King James, but even if our gospel is veiled, this is 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. It's on the screen. It's, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age is blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So there's actually a, a darkening effect on the human mind from the, from the satanic world, the Passion Translation. If our gospel message is veiled, it's only veiled to those who are perishing for the mind, their minds have been blinded by the God of this age, leaving them in unbelief. Their blindness keeps them from seeing the day spring light of the wonderful news of the glory of Jesus Christ who is the divine image of God. So, you know, first thing we pray is, Father, draw that person to you in the name of Jesus, and, you know, the book that I wrote, if you haven't got my book, go get it and read it, because, you know, it's, it's me, and uh, 
because they'll go into detail on, on how you have to deal with your thought life if you're going to get free and be what God has called you to be in Christ. And, and the, the number one avenue into a human life by, by Satan is through the human mind. He, he appealed to, to, to Eve's um, mind, first of all, has God said, with a question towards God, has God, has God said you, you can't eat? Uh, has God said? And she said, well, no, no. He said, well, you won't really die. So see, you appeal to her mind. The satanic avenue into every life is through the mind. And so obviously that's, a, that's the first, first line of obstruction for him with the gospel. He wants to keep people from even listening to what we have to say. That's why we need to be careful. I, I don't like to appeal as a religious person to people. How many understand what I just said? You should not use uh, weird language that you don't no normally talk in. You don't need to be waving your Bible to everybody. You should be a living Bible. That's uh, uh, a letter read by others. They should see your life, see how you treat people, how you respond to them. People aren't nice to you and say, what's up with you? If you never have somebody that you work with come up to you and say, you're different, what is it? Then you might not be walking very closely. How many hundred hear me? That, that's, that's Really, it's the key, y'all. And people go ask you questions. Um, you know, what I really don't like being a pastor is, that, is my environment. It, I mean, I love the people I work with, but I'm not around unbelievers. I, I love them. I love them. When I was in the world, I had a business and all that. I just love being around them because, you know, you know honestly, I, I just love them. I just, I just think I just like them. In all their crassness and all their sin, I just love them. You know, they don't know any better. I just want to help them. Do you notice sinners didn't run away from Jesus? They wanted to eat supper with him. Do you notice that? If they run, there's that old, there's that old Christian. Well, you're doing it wrong. If you do it right, they're going to ask you questions. And if you answer them appropriately, you won't push them off. First, First Peter 3.15, set the Lord apart in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every person of the reason of the hope that's in you. They should see the hope in you, right? And so just, just be real with them. If you struggle, tell them you struggle. I mean, you know, if you have problems, tell them, well, I'm, I'm like you. I've got struggle through life. But you know what? Jesus is Lord. He set me free. I've got a clear conscience. I'm right, I know I'm right with God. I know I'm going to heaven. You know, if you don't know that, I can show you how. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, it's really important to do that. So, so the second thing, again, is command Satan to stop blinding the minds of those that do not believe. And, and you literally do that. You know, uh, again, Matthew 18, 18, uh, one translation says, whatever you, refused, whatever you refuse to be allowed on earth is refused to be, refused to be allowed in heaven. Whatever you allow on earth is allowed in heaven. So we got to refuse to allow things. And so if Satan's messing with your family, they're unsafe, command him to take his hands off of them. In the name of Jesus. We have the authority to bind and loose. Yes or no? So when's the last time you did that? Okay? I got go a long way with that. I'm pointed. I'm talking about salvation here. Really, when you're praying for those that don't know Jesus in your family, command Satan to keep his hands off of them in Jesus' name. And you know, when you're praying and the Father begins to draw, and if you're praying for a person and they're in the sphere in your life where they attack you on a regular basis. And sometimes they become venomous, uh, really mean, uh, really aggravating. Uh, you don't ever do this in front of somebody. I've always gone off by myself where nobody knows what I'm doing. 
and say, you foul devil, take your hands off so-and-so in Jesus' name. You won't do that to me through them. Stop. And they have to. Do you hear me? And, and beyond that, bind the demonic forces from blinding their minds so they don't understand the concepts of salvation. So that's really, really important. Number three, ask for people who know Jesus to cross the path of the person that doesn't know the Lord every single day. That is, that is really, really important. Uh, Matthew 9, 36, 37. Uh, but when he saw the multitudes, Jesus, he was moved with compassion for them. They were weary, scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest. And he uses that metaphor again of a farmer. Uh, the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You know, you got a farmer with uh, hundreds of acres of land. He's got to have somebody to help him reap the harvest. And, and that's what God's looking for. He's looking for us to be available to him. So pray that the Lord of the harvest would, would send laborers. Now, when I do that, I get really specific. And I've been doing this a long, long time this way. I say, Lord, uh, send laborers across so-and-so's path. And Lord, I say animate and inanimate laborers. That means... That means um, uh, it could be anything, billboards, bumper stickers, um, the printed page articles, periodicals in a waiting room. Uh, they're, they're perusing, you know, some people still listen to the radio in the car. You know, they're, they're flipping, listening to something cool. They might just hear, they might hear an advertisement. It may be a church advertisement. Could hear any, or, or they bump across somebody preaching. Uh, my story was my mother started praying for God to deal with me and, and I got really uncomfortable in my sin. Uh, I just got uncomfortable. I, I just can't describe it. I was just ill at ease at all times. I was in my, was going to college, and um, I just, I couldn't be satisfied in anything I did. Nothing satisfied me, nothing. And so in the middle of the night, I had no idea. I knew my mother, after she got filled, filled with the Holy Spirit in 1975, she, uh, she um, um, uh, listened to Christian radio all the time. And I looked up over where it was on the channel. I saw where it was, where the FM station was, I think, in my Laurenburg, Fayetteville at the time. It was 24-hour Christian station. I saw that, and I just didn't like that hokey music, you know, because I like Led Zeppelin and, and all these other guys and stuff. And uh, uh, Credence, Clearwater, Revival, all, I liked all that. And anyway, <clears throat> but in the middle of the night, you know, I got me those really nice headphones, and I mean, they really made me music sound good in my room. And I always had them plugged in right beside my bed, and uh, I had them laying right there. I'd unplug them during the day and turn my music up, and then at night, you know, of course, I plug my headphones in because my parents were going to sleep. And then in the middle of the night, I did this I don't know how many times. I, I didn't even know why I did it. It didn't make rational sense to me. Um, about 2 o'clock in the morning or so, I'd wake up, and I just feel that Ill, Ill at easeness, if I can use that term, uh, or I'll coin a new one. <laughs> and, uh, put, it, put the headphones on my head. And I found the FM dial on the, on the apparatus I had. I fished it over there, found it, you know, and uh, that Christian station. And I said, listen to it. And here's what my mind said. I still remember. I wasn't saved. I thought, I just don't like this music. I don't like, what they're, I don't like the way they're singing. I don't like the way they play that. You know, I don't like the way the guy plays the bass. And the drum. I just don't like it. I don't like any, and I don't, and I particularly don't like that organ stuff. What is this organ stuff all about? What is this organ stuff? And uh, but I was sitting, and here's what I thought: I thought, but my God, I just can't find peace anywhere outside of this. What is this? And I listened to about 20 minutes, and, and peace. I, I I had the absence of peace. You know, Isaiah said, "There is no peace, saith God, to the wicked. There is no peace. God just needs some peace." 
And here it was. I had the piece with those earphones. I'd listen about 20 minutes, take it off, uh, unplug them, and then roll it back to my rock station, you know, the tuner. So nobody would know I did it. And I did it night after night. I never told my parents, I never told my mother till several years after I came to the Lord. I said, well, let me. And she said, well, I was praying for you. She was praying that God would draw me. It's amazing. So you don't know what somebody's doing. And you don't know the wrestling match happening on the inside of your prayer. How many here? But see, that was a laborer. I said that to say, even that gospel station. So, so pray that them, you know, uh, they're perusing the internet and they find something about the Lord. Because it's everywhere now, really, if you're looking for it. Even if you're not looking for it, it's there. And just pray that God, God um, uh, overheard conversations. Uh, that can happen. Or people in person that know them. I ask for skilled laborers across the paths of people that I'm uh, that I'm praying for every single day they hear the gospel. So here's where I pray. Lord, I pray for so-and-so in Jesus' name. Lord, may they have the drawing of the Father in their life today. May that person, they don't even know what it is, but you're drawing them. I ask you to draw them. If God's answering my prayer, he's, prayer, he's doing that. They're becoming uncomfortable. They're becoming unseated with what, they, uh, what is the norm of life for them. And, and see, that's opening. And then I say, Satan, take your hands off their mind. I do it every day. Just because you pray at one time, it doesn't mean you stop praying it. You pray the prayer of faith one time, but the application of faith for others, you keep praying the same thing because the devil doesn't stop. How many understand? So, so, so you know, anytime I think about them, Lord, I remind you, you're drawing them. Satan, I remind you, keep your hands off their mind. They will not be blinded from the gospel. They'll listen, they'll hear. And Lord, thank you that every day uh, from all different avenues, Labors are crossing their path. People that know you, information about you, it's coming across them at all times. And then, you know, Acts 16, 31, with a, um, with a, uh, when Paul and Silas were in jail in Philippi, um, and the jailer was set free, and he thought he was going to be killed. G uh, Paul said to him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, Acts 16, 31, and you'll be saved in your house. So claim household salvation for your children, for your extended family members, for your spouse, if you're married to a and uh, you came to the Lord. Let me say this. If you're, if you're a young person and you're dating, you should not date an unbeliever. If you date non-Christians, you is dumb. And you're also disobeying God. It's a... Um... Come here, Tony. Come here. Sit in that chair right there. Did you work out today? I want you to pull me down. Yes, sir. Pull me down to the chair with you. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's easier for him to pull me down than it was for me to pull him up to work out some. I'm kidding. <laughs> Why do you think that you pulled me up? Because you're right. <laughs> 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 it could be true. I'm weighing less now than I did last week, however. It's easier for somebody to pull you down spiritually than it is for you to pull them up. Do you get it? It's truth. 
Well, I'm going to evangelize that. No, you ain't. They're going to draw you back into their sin. Well, this is an evangelistic date. No, it's not. It's a dumb date. If you do, I'm telling you, disobeying God, he'll never have you date an unbeliever if you're a Christian. The value systems are all skanky. They're wrong. They're mixed up. They're, they're opposites. You say opposites attract, not that way. That's a personality issue, not that. How many understand? So anyway, y'all get that? So uh, I've got all kinds of illustrations, uh, and uh, I'm looking at the clock. I have lots of illustrations. Years and years and years ago, when I was in Bible school, there was a little a young man that worked with me at the grocery store I was a man, night manager at uh, actually came to the Lord. The reason he came to the Lord, he would go to bars at night. He smoked pot. He smoked weed. He drank. And he'd come to work sometimes, and I could smell the weed. He smiled. I said, you don't, need, you don't need to be smoking weed for your work. I know you think you go work faster. Don't be doing it, all right? Don't do it. Anyway, he talk, he, but he would come and talk to me. He found out I was Christian, you know, when I was going to Bible school and such. So this guy would ask me all kinds of questions. He had never been to church, and he... I mean, really, I never engaged him. He engaged me in conversation. He said, tell me about this Jesus stuff. What is this all about? And so he asked me all kinds of questions about the Bible. And sometimes I'd say, I don't know. I have to find that out myself. I don't know. I didn't try to act like I was the answer man. I just talked to him, you know. But he, he was so inquisitive. So I started praying for him. His name was Mark. And uh, I started praying for him. And I prayed this. I said, Lord, draw Mark. Every day, may he think about you. Here's how I pray. I said, Lord, you know, when he... Uh, when he goes home and, and he drinks maybe his decaf coffee because we worked at night and you go to bed in the morning if you're working at I said he's, he's you know, eating something before he goes to bed and his and newspapers were in vogue in 1980. You know, um, uh, he's reading the newspaper. May he think about his need for you. Then I said, Lord, when he wake up, wakes up from sleeping all day and, uh, and he's, he's got his meal in front of him, may he think about you. And, and Lord, before he comes to work, may he think about you. When he has a day off and he's, and he's sleeping at night, may he, and when he wakes up at night, may he think about his need for you. When he, and I just say all day long, Lord, may he think about you. And uh, so, Father, draw him. That's why I was praying. And, and then I said, Satan, take your hands off of his mind in Jesus' name. And, and, and I pray, Lord, may he be unsettled with his current environment in Jesus' name. And, and may the gospel, the things he's hearing from me and others, may they keep coming back to him over and over again. And then I, I, and I ask God to send people other than me. Yes, use me, but use others too. And so one day, it, I'd been doing that, I don't know, a month and a half or so, and, and, uh, and we were at the bailing machine at the back putting our cardboard in there, and he said, uh, he said, uh, Mitch, will you pray for me? I said, what for? He said, well, I want to get saved. I said, what? What? And I, I, you know, I prayed for him right there, and he came to Jesus. And you know what he told me? He told me, he said, you know, the funniest thing would happen to me. He said, I'd go home, and I'd be sitting you know, at the table getting something to eat before I went to sleep. He said, I'd be thinking about the Lord. The things you said, they came back. I said, you're kidding. He said, no. I said, he said, I get up, and when I get up, and I'm eating, you know, and, and you know, looking at the news or something. He said, I'm thinking about what you said. I've been thinking about the Lord. I said, I said, you're kidding. He said, no, it, it happened a lot. And then he said, I'm at the boogie bar. Now, a boogie bar is just a bar. He called it the boogie bar for some reason. And uh, I guess there's boogies there. <laughs> and he just said, while I'm there, you know, we're drinking and whatever, smoking pot and stuff. He said, I, I came to myself and thought, what in the world am I doing here? I don't need to be here anymore. I don't need this. And, and he, said, uh, he said, man, it was just incredible to me. These things you talked about just kept coming back. And, and he met the Lord. Isn't that awesome? One other thing. Y'all okay? Everybody good? 
One other thing that I wanted to mention, well, what about wayward believers? There's a great way to pray for people that don't know the Lord. Um, I'm going to cut to the chase. It's in the notes. Get the notes online. They're there. James 4, 5 says this. Or, you def- or do you think the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? One translation, I think it's Berkeley translation. I don't have it uh, digitally, but it says the, uh, the spirit... Or you do think the scripture says in vain, the spirit who took up his abode in us yearns jealously over us. There is a jealous lover. If you know the Lord and you fell away from God, here's a person, they've known the Lord, they've gotten in the flesh, they've gotten back in their, you know, got in usually the wrong friendships, wrong acquaintances and doing things they shouldn't do. And the flesh overtook them again, they're doing things they shouldn't do. Or they dated somebody that didn't know the Lord and they pulled them away. I'm just joking. But really, that happened. Um, uh, the jealous, there's a jealous, jealousness. Do you know the Holy Spirit's jealous over you? You give yourself to the flesh, give yourself to the world. He's jealous. It hurts him. He wants you. You know, he's, he's jealous. I had a first girl, I, it's not a great story, first girl I dated, you know, she two-timed me real bad. And I, I was real jealous. And I saw her with that boy. So, and I got upset. I did. I said, what are you? And, uh, you know, I actually came to the Lord as a result. So she broke my heart bad. And uh, so, so that jealousness, and I've never been jealous of Susan. She's never given me a reason to be jealous. But I, I remember what jealousy felt like. And, and when I read this, see, the Holy Spirit's jealous over you. You're giving yourself to somebody that, that's not like you. And you're giving the affection you should give Jesus to something else. And so the spirit who took up his abode in us yearns jealously, envies intensely, one translation says, um, has a passionate desire over us. Another translation says, um, the spirit that God made to live in us wants us for himself alone. Get the idea? So, So a person that you know that fell away from God, the way to pray for him is Father. Father, may they sense the jealous lover inside. May the Holy Spirit, who's obviously grieved, may he draw them back. And may that jealousness of the Spirit, may they sense the passion and, and the deep desire that you have. Draw them back, Lord. I had a, a, Bi- a Bible school friend who actually worked at the church I, I worked at after I uh, left my um, vocation, you know, managing grocery stores and stuff. And I uh, worked for a church. I was a janitor. And uh, you've heard the story. Some of you have heard this before. But he was a friend of mine. He worked at the church. He went to Bible school with me. And uh, he was a pretty crass guy. He didn't know the Lord. So he was just really, he, he just didn't. Well, anyway, he, uh, he fell away from God after he graduated from, from uh, Bible school. Um, uh, he eventually uh, found another job and was not working at the church. And I saw him, oh, this is probably a year later, and, and he happened to be, be somewhere where I was. I saw him on the street. I said, well, well his name was Steve. I said, Steve, you're, look, I haven't seen you in a long time. How you doing? And when I said that, he went, <sighs> and blew his cigarette smoke all over me. You know, really, I thought, okay. And, and then he told me how he was doing. He told me about a girl he had had and this and that. I said, Steve, really? And it, re- it just broke my heart. It just broke my heart. He cursed a few times while we talked. And this is a guy that walked in fellowship with Jesus with me. He went to Bible school with me, worked with me in his church. It, it broke my heart. I mean, it really, really broke my heart. And uh, so I, I left that place and, uh, 
And I got up in the morning, every morning, and I, Steve kept coming to my mind. If somebody comes to your mind, pray for them. And, and he kept coming to my mind. I said, God, I'm heartbroken over my friend. My friend is not walking with you, and I don't want him. I don't want something to happen. And he says, I don't want Jesus anymore. And I'm so concerned for him. And, and I began one day I was, and one day I was praying for him, and y'all, I, I felt exactly the way God felt about him, and I began to weep, and I got on my face on, on the carpet in, my off, in the office I was in, and I just began to weep. So, oh, God, help my friend Steve. And I felt the aloneness he felt. I felt the conviction of sin that he felt. Then I felt how God felt towards him, and I, I couldn't quit crying. And I, I, you know, wasn't given to be a real emotional person at the time. And uh, I just wept, 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 wept. And I asked God, Lord, let that jealous love come. Let your jealous love draw him. Draw him away from all that distraction. And uh, it wasn't long. It was a few weeks after, a couple of months after that. So I had a call from Steve. He said, Mitch, I just want you to know I, I came back to the Lord. I said, and he said, you know, I'm so sorry. I blew the smoke in your face and said those things to you. But the Lord's really... And then when I moved away from Tulsa and we started a church in 1988 in South Carolina, y'all, I was believing God with every believer I had in me. <laughs> Everything, every piece of faith I had to live. We had three children. Susan just had a baby when we started church, Jessica. And I mean, I didn't have beans to cook. I, won, I looked in my cupboard one time. I had one bag of beans. And we were running out of baby diapers. So that ain't, this ain't good. This ain't good. And I was believing God, you know, and... Um, Wow. And I asked the Lord for a certain amount of money just to pay my bills. And I opened my, opened my um, uh, uh, mailbox and uh, got, got mail in. And there's his name, return address. Uh, uh, and, and the check was exactly what I needed to pay every bill I had. See, God used him. Isn't that something? So, so pray for people. How many get it? So you got the, let's, let's go home. You got to get this. Now get your pen. I want you to write down several people that you need, that you know in your immediate family, friends, et cetera, that you're praying for, that, that need the Lord. Write their names down right now, and we're going to pray and go home. Y'all good? All right. Just write their names down. And you keep this in your Bible. Keep it with you. Ladies, keep it in your purse, whatever you need to do. Guys, keep it with you is just what I'm saying. And, uh, um these are people. I'm going to write mine down even though I pray for them really regularly. I'll give you a couple of minutes to do this. I'm, I'm going to write just because uh, uh, it'll give you some time. Um, yeah. You know, you may want to put your neighbors. You know, most of us don't know our neighbors. We all pull in our garages and shut the garage door. Pray for the neighbors around you that God would allow you to cross their path and share Jesus with them in some way. First of all, with how you live, how you keep your yard, you know, being a nice neighbor. Your dog's not pooping in the yard, that kind of thing. <laughs> Something nice. <laughs> be, be a nice believer first, but they want to put their names down. It might be people you work with and such, you know. Y'all, I'd like to joke. If you don't know me, I joke with my family all the time. Y'all okay if I joke? Uh, just, you know, humor's good. Humor's good. Y'all good? You got this? Good. That's awesome. Put the names down, y'all. Wow. 
y'all, y'all, anybody still writing? If you're writing, still raise, raise your hand. All right. All right, I want all of us to stand up. Come on, stand up. I want you to hold this, all, hold, this, hold this where you can see it, right in front of you. Now, Father, now let's pray. We're going we're gonna to close. We're going to sing a song after we pray, so get ready, brother. So uh, you, can, you can hold yours up too, though. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. so, so, Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we bless you and thank you. Lord, you're not willing that any should perish, but all should come to salvation. Uh, and we come to you right now. You're not slack concerning your promises. Lord, all of these people in our lives that need Jesus. Lord, we pray for the people on this, uh, on this list we have. Now, you look at their names and you, you, you read it inside yourself. Re- read the names right now. Father, for all of these names that I'm looking at on my, on my card and they're looking at on theirs, we pray for every one of these people in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray for the drawing of the Father to be very, very strong. Cause them to become dissatisfied with their current manner of living, the things they value, the things they do, the things they're involved in, the things they're doing that actually take the place of you and that void on the inside, they're filling it up with all kinds of things. Lord, may they begin to think about you all day long, every day when they take breaks, when they're in their car, when they wake up at night, when they're eating a meal. In the name of Jesus. Lord, may they have a God's desire inside. Draw them in Jesus' name. Secondly, we command you, Satan, take your hands off of the minds of these people that we've just written down. Now name their name. Satan, take your hands off of them in Jesus' name. Stop blinding their minds from receiving the good news of Jesus in Jesus' name. Father, I ask you, cause them to understand truths of redemption as they hear them in the name of Jesus. I command every demonic force, stop hindering their salvation in Jesus' name. Thirdly, Lord, let labors cross their path every single day. Lord, it may be, again, I always say this, bumper stickers, billboards. It could be a license tag on a car that says something about the Lord. Lord, it's something on the radio, something on television, something in the movie, something they see uh, on social media somewhere, on the internet, whatever it is. And people in person overheard conversations and then people that actually are talking to them about the Lord. May this happen to them on a regular basis every single day in the name of Jesus. Let laborers be assigned to them. In Jesus' name. Lord, we pray that every one of these persons would come to know Jesus before they die. How many agree? Lord, bring it to pass in their life. And Lord, as we pray for them day after day after day, give us specific ways to pray for these precious people. Lord, may they come to know Jesus before their last day on earth, we pray. In Jesus' name. How many agree? So you just pray that way, and then you know if you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, pray in the Spirit. I pray in the Spirit for people, and, and you know God gives me things, and, and very frequently people's my, uh, faces come before my mind when I know they're challenged and having problems, and, uh, and, and, and it just happens. So sing, let's sing something. Did y'all get something out of that? Glory. Oh.